Alright, good day, evening, good day, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of A Funny Podcast Presents Saki Track Wars. And this day, which is November 12th, is we're recording it, the General Mills is in Minneapolis, St. Paul, for business, so this week I got my friend, Brandon Good. Hello. Alright, so we have a normal set of questions that I didn't prep you for because that would be cheating, uh, that exists from our first podcast, which was Taco Tiki Tuesday, seven years ago. So, here it is, it's who the fuck are you, why the fuck should I care, and more importantly, why the fuck should the listeners care? Well, who am I? I am, uh, (laughs) no one very important. Um, so, my name is Brandon. I, uh, I'm actually new to this state that we live in, I'm not sure. Yeah, they know we're in Oregon. Yeah, okay. New to Oregon. Um, from Detroit, Michigan. I did the, uh, part of a band for a while. That's about the most exciting thing about my life. Graphic designer. Um, but none of that's relevant to what we're talking about today. Well, no, it, it can play into it, because you're, we're establishing you are a creative person. Okay. Well, so that's why the fuck the listeners should care. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, I guess I'm a creative person. I write, I do graphic design, do art, yada yada, and I did the band thing, which is the thing people usually find to be interesting. Um, toured the band for four years, and I'm a graphic designer, and uh, overall just kind of a movie nerd. Okay. Uh, also, what you left out, you are doing the updated new logos for the show. Yes, started those. You start- <laughs> started those. I've not finished those. So, but that tentatively will happen before the end of the year. Yes. But my plan is for that to be your Christmas gift. There we go. So, shooting for around Christmas time. Does that mean you're also going to make me up a shirt, too? Might. Might <laughs> be able to do that, actually. Yahtzee. Yeah. Okay. So, we're not going to talk any Star Trek today, uh, hence the Talking Trek Wars. We're going to steer clear of most other franchises and stick basically with Star Wars, because there was some news that came out this week. Now, you and I both know, and everybody listening knows, everybody and their mother are talking about this on Star Wars Podcast. So, I'd like to make it a little different and interesting with uh, making a statement that may be controversial. This announcement of Lucasfilm hiring Ryan Johnson and Ram Bergman to shepherd a new, never-before-explored trilogy separate from the Skywalker saga is possibly the third, no, fourth most important important announcement in Star Wars ever. What say you to that? And I can go through. The, I'll go through the list after your reaction to that. Yeah, you're gonna have to. I'm going to have to hear this list of the other three. Um, I think The Force Awakens is a bigger announcement. Okay, wait, wait. That's a part of it. That's a part okay. of it. So the the three previous, because this is number four, is the announcement that there will be a sequel to Star Wars, which was The Empire Strikes Back. Correct. That there would be two. Second, the announcement of the prequels. Correct. Third, the sale to Disney, which included the announcement of a new saga, i.e. Episode 7. Correct. And this one is number four on the list of Star Wars announcements of all times. But which doesn't seem too controversial. You'd find that all logical. What I'm argue going to argue, though, is that this is the most important announcement 
that Disney has ever made, Lucasfilm has ever made in the Disney era? Uh, I would say that can sound correct. Um, and I also have to say that I was not alive for when they announced the Fair Strikes Back, so I'm going to make something from the list. Saw hearsay to believe that. Well, I'm, I'm going with history of. History of. We all know the history of the franchise, even if we weren't present for it. Correct. Uh, okay. So, they also announced a live-action TV show. Yes. So, let's let's do live-action TV show first, and then we'll circle back to the movies I think are going to be a larger topic. So, what do we, A, think the live-action TV series could be about, and, <clears throat> oh, horse and throat, uh, and or what do we want it to be about? So, I'm going to go first. I have a strong suspicion that it's going to be a post-Return of the Jedi series, so set between 6 and 7, probably somewhere about the, you know, we know about the Battle Jekku, we've read about it, they've been in some games, but we've never seen it. I think we could be building up to that, uh, and that way they can also bring in legacy characters or anchor it to the familiar you have a lot of sets and designs and props and everything left over, so that will cut your production cost down. However, I really want it to be about either two, two of things, two things. Either will, either or will be fine with me. I think if you're actually going to do an old Republic property, it needs to be done in the TV show, not in the movies, uh, because the movies you're you're already too tied to pre-existing material, whether, even though it's not canon anymore when it comes to the Old Republic, so you're bound to have backlash and disappointment. So why put that in the films? Do that on the TV show, where you can bring in those elements from said games, novels, comics, uh, but not be beholden to it, because people have long clamored for a, a spin-off Revan movie, and I've long said that that would, is a terrible idea. Because you would not be getting the Revan that you knew and fell in love with. You'd be getting some different iteration with a completely different storyline. And I think that would alienate more fans than it would find to embrace it. Now, John Q. Public, who aren't tied to any of this, would, wouldn't care one bit. But I think you'd be stretching your base a little too far. The other option, which is one that I actually pitched to a bunch of friends and started writing scripts for in 2006 when they first announced a live-action TV show, which was going to be Underworld, set between episodes three and four, that it should be an anthology series with maybe one or two characters that could cross over, but your perspective shifts, whereas the first season would be the immediate aftermath of, like, Order 66, and you're following a Jedi on the run, and maybe an Imperial who's hunting him, and then that said Jedi would end at the, it would die at the end of season one, and you would transition over to season two would be the Imperial as the main character. You know, like you could do these nice little transitions that are anthologies, but have some through lines. Those are my ideas. You've been quiet, so what are yours? Okay, so, um, clearly, first thing that come to mind is the old public, um, which I do agree would make for a, it's much better set to be a TV show than a movie. Um, I played through the games, and uh, I don't think there's a way to 
A, I don't think they should recreate video game stories, so I wouldn't be disappointed, but I could see a mass audience being very disappointed or fans of the game, so they didn't stick to the main storyline. Um, but I guess my, my thing is, uh, this ties in the movie too, is it's tough to decide if it should be past, present, or future in the Star Wars universe of what we know. Um, so, and this also would tie into the movies, so I'll, I'll leave a little bit out, but um, part of the issue is if you do it in the present, you're essentially bleeding out Jedi, which I feel like is a huge risk. So I think they would go past. And that being said, did they go all the way back to Knights of Republic time? And I think that would actually be really cool. So my my idea for what I would want is for them to actually do that and to almost do a Game of Thrones kind of setup. Um, so rather than an anthology series, kind of a giant interwoven character-based political show uh, but that's also a risk too because you don't want to feel like you're copying Game of Thrones in the Star Wars universe <laughs> um, but what do I think they're going to do I think they'll probably actually play it kind of safe um, I do think there will be some kind of familiarity to the, the characters and the time um, not I, I think they actually might stick to the Force Awakens time and do some offshoot to that uh, I guess part of the issue is there's not a whole ton we know about this time. We do, but it's kind of uh, it's kind of reaching and kind of connecting dots we don't know the answers to yet. So that could actually be a good way to answer those questions with the TV show. But to be completely honest, I don't really know where they would go with it quite yet. Because there's so many places they could, but I think they'll probably stick to this time zone, almost kind of a Rogue One is to episode four. This would be that to Force Awakens. Well, just not not to. I'm gonna be contrarian. We've already done. They've already done so much comic books and stuff in that brief year to six months leading up to two years to six months leading up to the Force Awakens. I could see them sticking to the New Republic era. But and have it be set after the Battle of Jakku and incorporate the famed Michael Stackpole, Aaron Alston, X-Wing books right. and bring in that element and do yourself a Rogue Squadron TV show where it's about these highly specialized uh, pilots and infiltrators going after Imperial warlords who didn't disappear into the unknown regions, gangsters, you can bring in bounty hunters... And you could still have Jedi coming into it because Luke is still alive. He's building a temple at some point and he's having new trainees. So you could have some of that interspersed. And we've all seen the internet <clears throat> mock-up of Sebastian Stan who plays the Winter Soldier dressed in Luke's Empire garb. And their faces are so similar so you could then recast your younger Hamill. Uh, to come in and play it because he was the uh, originator of Rogue Squadron. So you could still have these elements tying back in. Okay. And I think it's important to note that this will be out on the Disney streaming service, which they say is late 2019. I could see them pushing that into 2020 because if that's the case and the, you do bring a younger Luke Skywalker in, 
you have time to conclude episode episode nine before you start this because that way you're not uh you're not painting them into a corner with Luke's backstory between six and seven, which I don't know how much we're actually going to get. It's been said publicly that he doesn't really go into detail about it in the new movies. Right. Hmm. Well, see, I guess I, I can't go over the hurdle of recasting Mark Hamill. They've already recast Alden, Alden Ehrenreich as a young Han Solo. This is true. This is true. You know, they're, they're at some point they're going to do it. They're going to hit that well. Like, and Claudia Gray just released the, well, on Force Friday this year, the Leia Princess of Alderaan book, which is about Leia at 16, finding her parents had become a part of the rebellion, joining the Senate, yada, yada, yada. I always wanted that storyline. I was upset that it came out in the book because I thought you could maybe move the age back to 14 or something and film that as a little mini series or even do that as a spin-off movie because an actress has said publicly that she's really wanted to do it. She's got to get a couple more years on her, but Millie Bobby Brown from as 11 said she wants to play a young Carrie Fisher, a young princess Leia. She has visual similarities there, you know, and she's a great actress and she's a great actress. That's who I wanted to do. And I've said it on the podcast before, so it's nothing new to them, but, um, so do we think, we think they're going to play it safe and keep it in the Rebellion Empire era around... You know, I'm second-guessing that now that I've said it out loud, actually. I obviously haven't prepped as much for this as I should have, but I guess I'm staring at your Firefly box set, and I just can't get past the idea of just a uh, kind of like ragtag, like a little space opera with kind of anti-heroes, Bonnie Hunter-esque, or Cowboy Bebop-esque. Well, they've done that with Rebels, the animated series. Oh, that series. is true. That is true. But it doesn't mean it's not a formula that doesn't work. Yeah, but you know, I guess it's keeping this in because they know Rebels works. Yeah, so. I mean, and this way they wouldn't have to ham it up as much as they do in Rebels, where like Ezra as a character, I don't know how much you've seen in it, he's had character progression, but at times within the said episode, he feels like he regresses back to being a bumbling, a bumbling idiot. All right, I forgot to silence my phone, so that's two points against me. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm answering Nicole's text. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I just don't know. I do think Dave Filoni is going to be the showrunner for it, and he's been the one who was the showrunner for The Clone Wars and Rebels. And Rebels is ending after this season, season four, and there's no new animation project announced. When Lucasfilm was bought by Disney, Clone Wars was still happening, and they announced the cancellation of Clone Wars and the creation of Rebels to come soon, because Rebels was the first visual property released by Lucasfilm under the Disney label. So it's strange that they've canceled Rebels and said this is it, but haven't announced any new animated properties. I, which doesn't mean that there isn't going to be one, which which makes me think that they're they're going to wait a little while and they're going to put all these resources into this TV show, and which to me means Dave Filoni. That adds up to the point where okay, I would almost have money on that if he's saying that. Uh, my only other hunch, I would say, just because I feel like he'd be the perfect director for it, is Brian Fuller. Um, I know he's a little busy with American Gods right now, but. 
But I will tell you, just following him on Twitter, he is a total fanboy for everything going on at Brian Johnson's Star Wars and another kind of buddies. So I would not be surprised to see Brian Fuller at the home either. And artistically and visually, uh, I think it would be perfect for it. But at the same time, maybe it's a little much for a Disney streaming service general audience because he definitely has a bit of an abstract touch to most of his stuff. Um, I wouldn't say that that should be anybody's fear. I know people have this fear that the House of Mouse is going to water it down. I want to reiterate to people that Disney is the company that produced and created and released Bad Santa 1 and 2. It's true. They have, just because they do animation doesn't mean they have, don't have other separate wings of shit going on. Um, now, yes, to your point that it's Star Wars. It's got to be able to relate as easily to a 12-year-old as a 40-year-old with a little bit more of a focus on the children. However, it does not mean, and this is something that you and I have had this discussion before as amongst others, is that we need to stop telling stories to our kids that are fucking watered down. I was a kid in the 80s and early 90s, and I remember some of the sh properties they gave to us were not watered down. There was real consequences. Bad shit happened. People got hurt. People died. And it wasn't like the late 90s, early 2000s where everything was so damn cookie-cutter. Right. Yeah. Uh, I... Minus Harry Potter. <laughs> there was, even though... None of the principal three ever really had much. They were put in peril, but never really got hurt. Maybe a broken bone that could grow back easily. Right, right. Or just a spell. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I, I really don't think we need to keep watering things down so much for children by any means. Because I, just, I can think back to my childhood watching the childhood cartoons and TV shows or movies then. And uh, PG-13 at that time was what R is now. And, I mean, I, I think by doing Gremlins. Gremlins was a what, PG movie? Gremlins was PG. Yeah. But it also came out... No, it came out before... It came out right around the time that the creation of the PG-13 rating. Do you know, or side jump trivia, what the first movie to get a PG-13 rating was? Oh, I know this. At some point in my life I've read this, but it is not coming to me. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, ladies and gentlemen. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. They thought it was... The whole Kalima pulling the heart thing out was just a little bit much, but it wasn't enough to get it an R, but they couldn't give it a PG, so they created PG-13. Oh, all for Indiana Jones, eh? See, I, well, that's the thing, though. I grew up watching Indiana Jones, but it's really not a... It's not too much. I mean, there's Nazis. There's heart pulling. Yeah. There, what about... Carol. Okay, let's even go back to the classic E.T. There was some tear-jerking shit, like you thought the alien was going to die, is the kid going to die, is... There wasn't, like, sure, everything worked out in the end, but there was some serious peril that the characters got put into. Not to mention my girlfriend is terrified of E.T., so it was also scary to some people. Really? Yeah, she uh, she had a childhood fear of E.T., and I don't think I can get her to watch E.T. to this day. Oh, my God, I have to ask her about this. You will. <laughs> oh, Jesus, this uh, is yeah, great. She is also terrified of the aliens from Mars Attacks, which is a little more understandable. But those are so cartoony. Yeah, yeah. You remember, she's a couple years younger than us. Yeah, I, I can remember being a teenager, and I think I was in late middle school going into high school when that movie came out, and going to see that in the theater be like one of four people, and being like, 
Huh. Funny enough, that was one of the last movies I remember seeing as a family in my household. Oh, really? My mom, my dad, my brother. And uh, I remember loving it. And I just, I pretty much love anything alien related, as you would know at this point. Not that your listeners would know. But uh, my parents were just flabbergasted at the whole movie. <laughs> I remember them being so confused. Because my mother was excited because she's like a big Jack Nicholson fan. And the kids a tool in that movie. Right, so her going into that and what coming out was complete shock. Yeah, isn't that Natalie Portman in there? Yes, yes, she is young in that. Uh, the cast of that movie is actually really ridiculous. It's got a huge and impressive cast. And I still love that movie to this day. It's terrible, but I love it. Oh, it's terrible. It's Tim Burton, right? Yes. One of well, movies, it, well, it's one of his non-visually similar mo- movies. Probably his... Probably his only movie that is completely different from all his other movies visually. Well, Big Fish. Yeah, well, Big Fish. That, but that's like his. That is his complete movie. That's nothing like him in his other movies at all. Yeah, but I mean, he has that continual aesthetic that began in the '89 Batman, and through Edward Scissorhands, moving on up the to Sleepy Sw- Hollow, Sleepy Hollow, Sweeney Todd, all those things all have. Uh, just that same visual aesthetic to the point where I don't want to watch any of his movies anymore. No, I have no interest in his movies at all at this point, and I aesthetically kind of hate them, actually. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I'm, I'm tired of seeing Johnny Depp in his movies. Yes. All right, even Alice in Wonderland had that. I mean, uh, or what was it? Uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah, uh, Willy Wonka is actually the movie where I was completely done with them. I, I will say I don't hate that movie as much as everyone hates that movie, but I definitely sort of hate that movie. I just, uh, I found it annoying and trite, and I was like, I, it's not one of the movies I walked out on. There's only, like, a handful of movies I've ever left the theater from, uh, and that wasn't one of them, but, all right, we need to circle back. Yes, back to Star Wars. Circle back. So let's, back to Star Wars. let's, so we, we've talked about the TV show a lot, uh, and I can, I can concur to a point about Brian Fuller. I like American Gods. I like what he did with Hannibal visually. Uh, I hate... Maybe if he would have stuck around for Star Trek Discovery, I could have more of a basis, but I can't tell where his influence began and ends, and uh, Kurtzman comes in, because I fucking hate Kurtzman. And so, I'm, you probably haven't seen much of Star Trek right, Discovery, so... I actually forgot he did anything with Star Trek Discovery, so... But he could J.J. Abrams. He's kind of, to me, he's kind of the J.J. Abrams of TV right now anyways, yeah. which is a stretch, but I kind of see... You that. know who I kind of want to see put their hand in it? Jonathan Nolan. Chris's brother, co-writing partner, who also did one of my favorite TV shows for the last 10 years, Persons of Interest, where I think you could have some real compelling... And they didn't pull any punches. They killed some people on that show. Right, right. He, he's doing Westworld, too, right? Is he doing Westworld? Uh, yeah, he's a part of it. Yeah, he's part of Westworld. So, yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's one. That would be, like, the fan casting for a showrunner beyond Dave Filoni, but it doesn't mean you can't have Dave Filoni as a showrunner and bring in talented writers to staff that writing room, or even Ron Moore. Ron Moore cut his teeth beginning in Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, and he's been well through a lot of different things. He did Deep Space Nine, bat- the reboot Battlestar Galactica. It's one of the best, still one of the best top ten shows of all times. It's still being ranked in, within that conversation, and some, he's in the top five. That show's in the top five. Uh, but with the advent of we're really at TV's golden age now. There's yes. some really good things coming out that are moving things out, but I think that was at the beginning of that ushering 
TV into its yeah, prime era. Actually, just speaking on that real quick, I, I was looking at my list of movies I watched this year, and I was comparing to my roommates, uh, Brendan, who's been on here. He's been on the show, yes. yes. Uh, and he was basically calling me out for only seeing half the amount of movies he's watched, but I realized it's actually because I've watched so much television this year. I've... Uh, and it's starting to blur the lines between TV and movies, uh, where the quality of TV shows is really starting to be on par with certain movies. I mean, you obviously don't get the same budget, but you get the same quality from time to time. And uh, so, yeah, but where are we going with this? I I, I, you, I don't know where you were going with this. I'm sorry. You, I was talking I just, about Battlestar. Yeah, and yeah, you, were, you just said Golden Age of TV, and I just couldn't stop thinking about but, uh but, in, okay, in response to being called out for not seeing half as many movies, just because you choose quality over quantity does not get called out. And I hope you use that phrase with him. You know, Brendan, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so now we need to talk, tackle the Star Wars movies. And we were out last night, and we were doing a little talk prep for this. I said I had the statement, and I think I know where these movies are going to be. Now, the press release had said that he was going to explore lore and myth that had never before seen. Now, first, we need to figure out, does that mean the new canon's never seen, or canon and the old EU Legends area has ever seen? Taking into account either one of those, I have one era that they could go do, which has only been minimally touched. I mean, minimally, 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 by one book, one five-issue comic series, or ten-issue comic series run. And it plays into The Last Jedi. And I, this is why I think they chose Ryan Johnson beyond the fact that they had this great creative working relationship. Everybody seems to be in love with him. And this speaks to the faith that Iger, Disney, Lucasfilm have in The Last Jedi. And I think this trilogy is going to go back, and it's not going to be titled this, but we're going to use this because this was the title of the, the book comic property. We're going to go back to The Dawn of the Jedi. We're going to go back to the very, very beginnings of the Jedi, maybe throw in the beginnings of the Sith when they were one and the cataclysm happened and they split. But this is going to be the creation mythology of the Force users, but there's going to be so many other branches of it. And the reason I say this is because in The Last Jedi, we are going to be at Octu, which is allegedly, it hasn't been confirmed yet, the first Jedi temple. And there are those books in that tree. You know, which are some of these old teaching. And what if some of the mythos and lore he created for The Last Jedi was so intriguing and so compelling that they couldn't throw a ton of it into the movie or hardly any of it into the movie because it doesn't play to the current storyline beyond, like, maybe the whole balance idea. You know, that there's light and dark in each of us and that, you know, we are the ones that choose the nature of the action, not the force itself. Or, you know, whatever. Or there could be an overall encompassing unifying will and the force is alive and has its own thoughts, motivations, agenda, whatever. Either way, that this is so compelling that we are going to go all the way back to a time thousands and thousands and thousands of years before any of this. You wouldn't be beholden to any characters. You wouldn't be beholden. You could create all new vehicles, you know. Hyperspace travel is probably at its infancy, you know, or maybe not that much at all. You know, you could be set within one localized system within planets, and you have interplanetary travel, but not hyperspace travel. The creation of a lightsaber, the first lightsaber, 
Were they using some kind of metal as in swords before? We know Ryan Johnson's a fan of old samurai flicks. You know, what levels can you bring in new visual aesthetics of costumes, species that could have died out? I mean, you are not beholden to anything else when you do that. You don't have to, you, you, all you have to do is you can have a name, a name alone, but there would be no thought of a Skywalker or anything else. That's my thought. I, I think that is the most logical thing, based off everything, for sure. Because in my mind, uh, if it's going to be completely new, all new lore, not using any old characters, which I find hard to believe, but that's what they're saying. Um, I, we kind of touched on this. Is My thing was, can they do a trilogy without lightsabers? And I don't believe they can. Um... Rogue One doesn't have a lightsaber, so Darth Vader at the end does it. Yeah. Yeah, so they, I guess they proved that you can do a movie without a lightsaber, but I just don't believe you can do an entire trilogy without a lightsaber. So I think that eliminates uh, something that would coincide presently with Force Awakens, uh, this whole time era. Um, and... I guess where you're going is, uh, is that further back than the Old Republic then? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's so, a lot yeah, further it's, back. It's even further, further back, yes. So it uh, still leaves the door open, and if they did the next Old Republic TV show, you could have the two have relating themes, because there could be the ancient and wise character that lives a thousand years, or you, they could have certain set locations. You could duel it up and just age it. So this would be a prequel to the prequels. <laughs> a prequel to the prequels to the prequels to any other kind right, of prequels. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, so it's essentially a Jedi origin film just trilogy. Yeah. That would come down to, which, uh, yeah, I think that'd be interesting, but origin films scare me. Uh, Marvel's proved to me that I don't like origin films. Um, and, but I think that might be the most logical place, but for me, I would personally love to see them go into the future, far enough into the future to where uh, Skywalker's irrelevant, I suppose, which would never really make sense unless you're really in another corner of the galaxy. But that's, in the press release, they stated a whole new corner of the galaxy that we've never seen. So, I'm kind of hoping that they do take this to the future, because I personally want more sci-fi, which, not to say that taking it to the past would take away from the science fiction, because it's clearly... Nothing but science fiction and Star Wars and fantasy, but uh, I, I guess my fear is that a origin film would be interesting, might not have the grandiose feel and epic feel to it that we currently have with all the Star Wars films. It's possible, clearly, but I would rather see. Uh, I'm trying to think. What is the what was the popular book that uh, from the old? EU that was set in the future. Well, there was... Okay, so by the end of the books, they went 45 years after Return of the Jedi. The comic books jumped all the way to 130 to 135 years after Return of the Jedi. So those are... That's as far as... The, they've gone that far in the old EU, in the old canon. Right, I'm flicking out. There's one that was really popular that had... Uh, the green guy with the fan lightsaber weapons. What was that guy's name? Oh. Green guy with the fan lightsaber weapons. Very descriptive, I know. Um, 
I know it was one of the. I know there was a down period where people weren't really liking the Star Wars books, and it's one of the first ones that came back and they really liked. Um. Well, I mean, they started when they when they switched from Bantam to Del Rey. It was the New Jedi Order, and they had the Yuuzhan Vong, which used living weapons, and they had these serpent amphistaffs that were uh, strong enough to withstand a lightsaber blade. But green guy with a fan lightsaber weapon, you have me. I, I'm sure that's the worst description. I had a, a action figure of this character, and I remember finding out it was from a book. I'm going to try to Google search this while still speaking. Um... Do you remember any part of his name? You know, that's really not come to me right now. <laughs> um, uh, what? I want to say it was not related to Skywalker in a, in a heavy kind of way, and I think that was part of the reason it had appeal. I might be completely... Well, the last Skywalker was um, Cade. Uh, and he was kind of a bounty hunter, failed Jedi drug addict. Um, his father was Cole. Cole's father was Ben. Ben's father was Luke. Um, fan lights? I, I, you, I am the most knowledgeable out of most people when it comes to the EU, and you have me for a loss for that. And it was in the books, it wasn't in the comics? I am... Pretty confident it was a book. I can see the character in my head and the book in my head, but the name of it is not coming to me. And I don't know what to Google to find this book, but I can see some of the books. Um, was it in the Legacy of the Force series? Not sure. A Fate of the Jedi? That sounds familiar. Let me Google that. Let's see. Uh, you won't, the covers are kind of, are very much, like, art simple. Like, when you see the cover of those books, I don't know if it's going to key off. And I don't remember them doing any figures from that. Um. Wow. This podcast is derailed as we're... Oh, just, I'm sorry. I completely took this thing off the rails here. I hope somebody's doing what I do when I listen to Star Wars podcasts and screaming into their headphones that... <laughs> And just cursing me for my lack of knowledge of this this name and character, which is totally fair. Um, this is gonna really bug me. Yeah, you actually, you have actually stopped me. If this was trivia time, I would have lost. You know, the whole fan lightsabers, because I, I mean, I can tell you who had green lightsabers. Let's see. All right, I'm gonna keep searching. Uh, where were we? Where were we headed to? Let's. See. You were talking about going into the far future. Far future, yes. And, and I was, I mean. and I was telling you that they have gone a hundred and thirty to one hundred and thirty-five okay, years yes. into the future. So I'm saying we go further in the future. Um, I, I, I have a problem. I think they won't do that because I think that paints them into a corner, for, which, which cuts off because I think the whole idea of having this trilogy, uh, it's so that it can give time for this current trilogy of 7, 8, 9 to settle, the actors to age up, because if you think the House of Mouse ain't going to use these characters further on, whatever ones are left down the road, you're shitting yourself. Right. So I, 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 that's why I really think, and I don't even know if going all the way back in time is a safe bet. I think, you, like you said, origin movies can have a problem. 
But I don't even know if this is could be maybe it's the origins of a codified order and the beginnings of things, but I'm also thinking of Firefly that this could very truly be I mean we already have Old West elements, but this is like medieval times meets Old West with elements of urban myth and uh science fiction. So you could have those fucking ships that are going to fall apart, you know, and their primary buffer panels flying off all the time. And That was a Serenity reference. I hope you got it, people. Um, yeah, the only other thing, I think, if they want to keep it in the current time and they're going into an, a never-before-touched region of Star Wars, there's only one region of Star Wars that has virtually never, ever been touched, and that's the unknown region's wild space where Grand Admiral Thrawn's species, the Chiss, are from. Now, in the New Jedi Order and in a couple books, we've been to the Chiss homeworld and we've seen a, a route through this. But we know in the new canon that the Empire, after the losing of the Battle of Jakku, left known space for the Unknown Regions, and that's where, allegedly, they came across Snoke. And that's where they emerged from that as the First Order with a bunch of shit. So we don't know what happened in there. We don't know what's going on beyond that. So, I mean, we've been to the edges, but right. we haven't been inside of it. I just don't know, because then you would have a new trilogy, and there would be no lightsabers. There would be none of that. There would be no Jedi. There would be you the remnants of the Empire. And is that who we want as protagonists, the, the failed bad guys? As the protagonist in this trilogy of movies in the middle of the unknown space? See, for me, I feel like I would be highly interested in that, but I don't think they would take that gamble. I would be interested in that, but not as a movie, not as a trilogy of movies that right. you're trying to mass market, you know? Right. Yeah, because we spoke on this too, is uh, with the new trilogy, like he's competing. It, the, Ryan Johnson currently has the most pressure on his shoulders of any yeah. director of all time. He has to create a whole new trilogy that competes against the 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 current Skywalker legacy. So is he going to try to reach that level of epic and huge, or is he going to try to do something completely different? Which I, I feel like he has to try to compete against epic and huge to be successful. And with that, like, you, I feel like you need lightsabers. I think you can be epic and huge and completely different within defined parameters that we that are already set. You know one thing they could we've never seen before though that they could bring in and we've never seen on the theater, on the movie screen. You go back to similar times of the old republic but it hasn't really been shown and you show the all out Mandalorian wars. So that's Jet you have Jedi, you have Sith and you have Mandalorians. Now that's had several different iterations and but nothing's really been concrete about what happened right um yeah so i guess i guess that's the thing there's so many places that can take it based off of current war but i really think they're going to create a whole new thing that's that's like, why i'm still thinking you go back to the beginning you go back right. to the beginning 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 right and i, I can see episode negative 50 yeah and then i see why you would do that against going to the future because if you go to the future everything now has to kind of lead towards that, so you are kind of anchoring it, but 
I mean, how big is the Star Wars universe, you know? Like, can you set something that's so far away from everything we know that it doesn't really have an effect? Or isn't affected by what's currently happening with what we know? Can you do that? Does that make sense? I, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, that's just the problem I see it having, uh, by going so far in the future. You, I think you would have to go a thousand years in the future to have it leave open. In which case, is everything going to be so different that nothing is familiar? And, you know, and then again, is it going to be the birth of somebody with the Force who the Force has gone away for so long? Like, where are you? I think the problem with I'm having with that is you go so far in the future, it seems to me like you're removing the mythology aspect of it. And, they're ta- and they talked both in Lucasfilm and Johnson Bergman's press release about mythology and lore Correct. and those words to me think olden you're right and that is true those words do spark you think old you don't think future yeah uh, and, and and that's the thing yeah you if you go too far in the future you're kind of disconnecting everything we already know yeah and and the only way to really edit in is to kind of pull a cheap little nostalgia punches or they find something conveniently, or something gets mentioned conveniently. Here's a fossilized toy X-wing. You're like, oh, that's kind of meta, I guess. Right, right. Or like, oh my god, they they came across the helmet that just happened to be, you know, so and so. Yeah, right, right. So it's uh, yeah, I I don't like that. I especially with the whole all the sequels and nostalgia things going on right now. Uh, Jurassic World really kind of showed a way to not do this properly, and I don't want to see Star Wars do that. Yeah. Although people say Force Awakens did, I don't really think they did because it was to me it all made sense. There was a lot of derivative things in there, but I knew exactly where they were going with it and what they had to do. So I'm I'm more okay with it, even though I still like Rogue One better than the Force Awakens. But I can still I can understand both sides of the argument, and I'm not going to have the argument because I don't want to. I can't properly judge the Force Awakens until I've seen. Eight nine. Right, right, and that's actually my issue talking about these the uh, the Ryan Johnson trilogy coming out is I feel like I can't gather a full opinion on what might go on until I see the end of this trilogy. Because um, what I'm saying going in the future, based on how this trilogy ends, I could really set up something awesome in the future. Yeah. So. All right. So now I have a question. Sure. Them announcing this. A short four and a half weeks before The Last Jedi comes out. What does this do to your anticipation and expectation level? My anticipation and expectation level for... The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. They announced this, that they're giving the keys, the proverbial keys to the kingdom, to Ryan Johnson, four and a half weeks before his movie is even seen by the public. What does this... A, what does this tell you about how the company feels about Last Jedi, and how we might feel about The Last Jedi. Okay, so honest answer right off the bat is uh, it has probably tripled my excitement level. Um, because, first off, when they announced the directors that were doing the three new movies, I was most excited about Ryan Johnson to begin with. Agreed. Um, and Most disappointed with Colin Trevorrow. Yes, and uh, let's just say I'm, I'm not sad he's gone. I'm not overly thrilled that J.J. Abrams is doing the third one, but I'm also totally fine with that. Uh, um, I'm okay with JJ a whole lot more than fucking Trevorrow. Yeah, uh, I think we would have got like an entire Ewok esque 
movie. Um, but we'll that is a whole other. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. But for Ryan Johnson. Uh, yeah, I was incredibly excited to begin with. Uh, he was the one I was the most forward to, and I had the most most faith with doing what I want out of a Star Wars movie. Um, but now that seeing that Star that uh, Kathleen Kennedy and crew have so much confidence after seeing the Last Jedi that they not only gave him the keys to the kingdom, uh, more power than anyone's ever really had in Star Wars since Lucas created it. Uh, he they they are giving him an entire trilogy to basically drive this into the future in whatever direction he wants to take it. And when J.J. Abrams got those keys, he had to build a sequel off of everything we know. Brian Johnson doesn't necessarily have to do that from what we know. Uh, so to give someone that power, and it to be Ryan Johnson, who, let's be honest, prior to this, he wasn't a huge name. He's done a few... Oh, he was huge in this household. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've loved Ryan Johnson, but he's not, you know, he wasn't a J.J. Abrams. He's he's not one of those names. Not It's not like they gave him the Spielberg. Uh, Ryan Johnson, he's done, what, Brick, Blooper, and some really good TV episodes. Brothers Bloom. Brothers Bloom, yes. Um, he, he's nothing huge. Uh, so, for them to have the confidence to give him this after Last Jedi, it makes me believe that Last Jedi uh, could be more than great. Um, might be the second best movie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say it, it has the possibility to be the best movie of the year, but I understand completely where you're coming from. Uh, yeah. Although, I, I have a side thought, but I don't want to say it on air. So, um, yeah. So, I'm super stoked. We have our D-Box seats tickets. We are set up for that. Uh, there's going to be six of us going. It's going to be very interesting that Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, I will stand up and cuss people out if they are fucking talking through this one. I will be furious. I, uh, especially for the amount we paid for our seats. Um, and I feel like if Brendan walks out and talks any shit, it doesn't matter what it is, it's going to be so fresh, I'm going to want to punch him in the face. That's totally fair. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I feel like we're going to be standing in the parking lot talking away from everybody else, so we're not spoiling the movie for anybody. Yes, and if um, any of you feel like spoiling the movie on the internet before everybody has a chance to speak it, I will point you to the Liam Neeson Taken monologue. And uh, I've told you that Force Awakens was spoiled for me the night before, haven't I? Yes, you have. I have two people who are now distance acquaintances of mine who posted spoilers of Force Awakens the night before because they thought it was funny to do so. And if anyone does that for this, I will... Yeah. We're close to murder. Now, see, I... And the, the audience knows this. Uh, I knew the entire thing of The Force Awakens going into it, minus one part, and which was Kylo Ren's real name. That was the only secret I didn't have. And this is from J.J. Abrams and his mystery box where everything's a secret... Whereas that house couldn't keep a fucking secret. I know a lot about the first act of Last Jedi and the third act, and I can surmise what happens in the second act. But the characterizations and plot points that move us from set piece to set piece, completely baffled by. I have no idea. 
which is which is amazing to me that how much seven was spoiled that this one isn't that i this might be me going into a star wars movie more fresh uh than i ever have before ever have before yeah i'll be honest there is uh force awakens leading up there was nothing but leaks and rumors that end up being mostly true there's been little very little and uh yeah i'm going this just fresh yeah i'm i'm so excited that we're so close and yet so far away all right before we stop this podcast if you had any fucking luck finding this character you have you're gonna be mad because it's just it is so obvious and let me just let me double check real quick that I was giving some kind of proper anything to this. Um, yeah, because it was a there's a video game, there's a book, uh, there's comics. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Shadows of the Empire. I was thinking of, which is incredibly well known. Shadows of the Empire is is fucking 1996. Yes, and that is you're talking about uh, <laughs> you're talking about um, what's his name, Prince Zizor. Who's not a Jedi, and nor does he have lightsaber fans. Oh, let me find the toy. He's got the lightsaber to- fans. The toy is not is not indicative of what the comic book, video game, or move or, or uh, what's his name? Prince Zizor. Z. I mean X I Z O R. That's not how you pronounce that. That's <laughs> it, trust me. That's how the audiobook does it. What would you call those? I would not call those lightsaber fans, but what's the better term? And they're blue, mind you. He's green, they're blue. Yeah. I was on the right track here. They were, they were like fucking, um. Fans. Fans, but they're not lightsabers. That's just the toy effect. Oh, well, mind you, I have not brought these. Okay. I just had this, I for some reason had this figure. Okay. I had the book, but I was. That was. Oh, and that book is so fucking terrible. Okay. Uh. That is uh, pre-Del Rey days. That's the Bantam Bantam days. And people were excited because that was the Star Wars event, the non-movie Star Wars event. Because right. they billed that as 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 good as a movie. Because there was a soundtrack that came out to it by Joel Scott McNeely and the Scottish Royal Orchestra. Who, in fact, that character, Prince Seesaw's theme, is the intro and outro music of this show. Oh, whoa. so How we, convenient. we've we've circled back, and that guy is that guy fits in today's culture because Prince Seashore kind of rapey. Oh, whoa, kind of rapey. It's a little little scary. Prince Spacey. We've uh, <laughs> if, yeah, he really, really, really tried to work his pheromone magic on getting Leia to sleep with him. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, real quick, I guess just before we exit this, uh, how terrible of a movie idea would this Shadows of Empire make? Because I'm not as familiar with this as you are. Um, this, this is a nostalgia thing in my head that I just as a movie, characters. as a movie, I think you could do so much with it if you upgraded and if you removed a lot of negative elements. You know, Chewy with an eye patch and a fucking flat top and a mullet. See, I had that figure. I had that. I have that figure. I have that figure. Uh, Luke in his weird red Imperial Guard uniform was pretty cool. Zizor's rapey, um, Boba Fett's storyline is good. I, Dash Rendar, either you love him or you hate him, and I know a lot who hate him. I actually don't dislike him as much as everybody else. 
I think you could take the name and redo the story completely, and you'll have a, a spin-off movie. Although, you will then have to either recast or digital mask. Okay, let's just let's stay, let's stay away from this then. Yeah, so, I mean, that that that's the whole premise of that. Oh, piece of trivia. Do you know what the original title for Episode 7 The Force Awakens was? Once again, this is something that I've read at some point. It is slipping from me. What was this? Shadow of the Empire. Oh. Well, <laughs> can you imagine if they announced that? <laughs> uh, I think people would be reading so much. Well, people read so much into everything now anyways. Right. It, it would have been hilarious. So people would have been like, oh, my God, I got the leaked script. There is a book called The Last Jedi. There was a Marvel comic run of Star Marvel Star Wars uh, in the 80s called The Last Jedi. There have been things going on with that have the name The Last Jedi, so it's been fun to see people think they've got something and don't. Or Mark Hamill's tweet saying, avoid spoilers, and shows a picture of the book The Last Jedi. And it's it's from the Coruscant Knights. Well, it's the conclusion to the Coruscant Knights trilogy, even though it's before. Right. Um, yeah. Good book series, though. Yeah. Good book series. You know, I'm just refreshing my mind looking at pictures and images on Google. Charity. I'm sorry that I even suggested that for a second. Okay. <laughs> we will all forget. Well, thank you uh, for joining us on this show. And we will eventually have our talked about Alien Covenant dissection and discussion. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we were supposed to do that uh, two months ago, and I kept not being able to. Or just Originally, to... we were supposed to do it after the theater release. Right, right. And then the DVD Blu-ray release. Yes. Uh, and mind you, I, I am much more uh, prepped for any Alien talk than Star Wars for the most part. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I can talk about it all day, but I do not know all the old EU as you do. Yeah. So that's why I would... Re- recommend something such as Shadows of the Empire, which I'm sure a lot of people vomited once they put those together. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, we were supposed to have Brendan on the show as well, and so that it would just be uh, an hour of us yelling at each other, or two against one. Yes. So, all right, thanks for stopping by. That's been your show. We'll be back with Mills in a week. <laughs> <laughs>